Okay, I'm Steve. I'm an alcoholic. Thank you, Les, for inviting Steve, and thank you, Steve, for inviting me. Uh, it's a great meeting uh, in a park. I love park meetings. Thank you for the burger. Uh, I'm a real alcoholic. Uh, my last drink and my sobriety date is April 10th, 1998. I was almost 46 years old, so I've been here since I was almost 46. I've been here 25 years now. So I have a little sober time. I have a little sober experience. Um, I drank, uh, I drank, uh, my first drink was when I was about 14, 15. My last drink, I was 45, 46. So that was a 30 year period. I was a daily drinker from 16. Uh, I started having liver problems at 23, 24, got very sick. And from 24 to 45, 46, I was sick for 20 years. But I wasn't an alcoholic, you know. Uh, uh, I, my story is a story of yets. I have many more yets than I do actually things happen. When I hear your stories, I have a fluff story, you know. But it's uh, my story. My story is just my story. My story doesn't make me an alcoholic. What makes me an alcoholic is what alcohol does for me and to me. And I loved alcohol for my first drink. I don't know it now, but I knew I fell in love with alcohol with my first drink. I know that now. Whenever I share today now, I don't do this very often, uh, but whenever I do share today, I share from what I know today, not what I thought I knew back then. Uh, I'm the seventh of 10 kids. Uh, uh, I drank with two older brothers, one younger brother, that young, yeah, youngest brother was found dead in a motel like so many of us are found at age 27. He would have been 66 now. That oldest brother that I loved deeply, I was closest to, took his own life be behind this disease. And my mom was found dead of this disease in her bathtub. I know that side of alcoholism. I know the death side of alcoholism. It is a deadly disease. I have firsthand experience at that. Now, uh, I don't think I am any special because I'm here. I don't think God loved me any more than God loved my family members or the many friends and other relatives that are no longer here. For whatever reason, that thin opportunity of sobriety, that thin opportunity of grace, I was able to get on that side of it. And that's the part that uh, I can't explain to anyone. I don't know if anyone in this room could explain to anyone why someone gets sober and why someone does not get sober. Someone might say, oh, chapter five, you know, but I know many people who read chapter five, knew it word for word, went out and drank. So I believe that I'm sober today by the grace of God and the grace of God alone. Now, my sanity today is a direct result of working the program and the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Because if I don't keep myself, if I don't, if I'm not restored to sanity, I'll drink again. That's just it. So uh, that's what Alcoholics Anonymous is doing for me. I failed at everything in life, everything in life. I, was a, I failed as a father, a husband, a son, a brother. The only thing I was able to do successfully was hold on to a job. And it was a government job. You know, I was a civil servant. You got to murder someone to get fired from a government job back when I was working and uh, and I know a guy who did and uh, got fired and then they brought him back with all his back pay you know so 
that's a true story. Um, so I retired from that government job and uh, I've never planned anything in my life. Never planned anything in my life. I didn't plan to get sober. I, was, I received this gift one night. I was very sick. I was going to a church. I knew that God was the answer. So I started going to a church. I went for seven years to that church. I did everything that they said to do. A lot of those things, just like what we do, exactly the same. A lot of the things I heard, exactly what we I hear here, only in different terminology. The one thing they don't have over here that we have is a four-step. <laughs> they don't do a four-step over there. You know, I have to do a four-step here. So um, uh, after that, I was there seven years. I drank. I, 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 I couldn't do it anymore. I, I tried my best. And I was out one night with my brother and his, and his wife, and uh, I was on my second drink, and I had to get that one, first one down. And by this time, alcohol wasn't working anymore. I couldn't even get high anymore, but I still drank. And I was on that second drink, and I had still half of it left, and I, just, I was at the table, we were at dinner, and I just pushed it away. Ordered a water, ordered a water. And that water tasted delicious, delicious. I never drank water. I never drank water. And uh, uh, that was my last drink, April 10th, 1998. Very uneventful. No big, bah, no big nothing. And, uh, uh, but I wasn't an alcoholic. I wasn't a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't ask God to remove my obsession. None of that. God did it on his own. And uh, I knew guys in AA. And uh, I was talking to him one, one, one night, and I said, Vic, uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I was very sick still physically. He said, Steve, maybe you're an alcoholic. I said, Vic, I can't be an alcoholic. I still had a job. I still had a car. Still had an apartment. Uh, you know, never been in prison, never been homeless. I never hijacked a jet plane or anything. And he said, Steve, normal drinkers don't ruin their livers. Normal, And then it went, wow. I'm not a normal drinker. And the very next day, I, I uh, went to the Pasadena Council on Alcoholism, put my money in the machine, pulled out a, pulled out a directory, and started going to meetings. I, was still, I detoxed at meetings and at work. That's what worked for me. I've never been in a rehab. I've never been in a hospital. Many times I should have been in the hospital. Many times. I would always get sick at home. And, um, and I've been here ever since. First year and a half, I was in shock. I was in shock. I didn't get a sponsor. I didn't do anything we're supposed to do here except went, go to meetings and not drink. I didn't do anything else. Talk to people, all that kind of, I, I just, I had that wall around me still. And then eventually, uh, at my first home group, my home group today is the El Sereno group, but my first home group was the man-to-man -man stag up at the 185 in Altadena. And uh, man, those, those men loved me out. They loved me out. You know, I couldn't get out. I, I was stuck inside of me. Alcohol allowed me to get out and to participate in society. I, I don't know what I would have done without alcohol early on. I don't know what I would have done without it. I would have exploded or something. Anyway, I was, here I am in these meetings now, and I'm like this still. And these men just loved me. They loved me out of that. And then slowly I started doing what we do around here. And slowly I started to get what we get around here. And uh, so, you know, if you're new or relatively new, I saw some, uh, some people come up and take chips. I, I want to welcome you. 
my responsibility is to let you know that there's, there's hope and there's help for you here at Alcoholics Anonymous. And I was also taught new is like from zero to five years. I'm 25 years sober, I'm still new. I'm still new. I learn every day, constantly learning every day. It's the same, my, my original home group, it, they said stick to the basics. It always gets back to the basics. Being raised in a family of 10 kids, it was a very simple existence, very simple. We didn't have anything. I'm a very keep it simple guy. Keep it simple. Um, I also like to thank all the people here with more time than me, because I know there are a lot of people in this room with more time than me. I want to thank you for staying here and showing the rest of us the way. I love the newcomer, uh, and I helped the newcomer, but I followed you guys. I followed the people with time when I got here. So thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'd like to introduce our speaker tonight, who is Steve. Hello, hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, yes. Right. Is it falling over? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'll put this up. There you go. All right. Hi everybody, I'm Steve. Whoa. I'm Steve, I'm an alcoholic and uh my home group is the day to time group. We meet in Glendale on Tuesday nights. Um, it's a speaker meeting eight to nine on Tuesday nights. We, my war cry is we do a lot in an hour. You know, we get, we get decent speakers. We're fairly friendly and come over there and say hello. Steve, great to hear you. Thank you so much. I think we did this a little back ass with because I think he, he should have kept going and I should have been. <laughs> I was enjoying everything you said. I appreciate it. And thank you for coming out. Thank you, Les, for the invite. Uh, this is a great gathering, man. The last time I was here, we were over there. Now you got like a whole like 4th of July picnic going on here. This is nice. Um, uh, let's see. I'll do the prescribed. Uh, and, and the first thing I have to say to anybody that's new is I have, I'm not any expert. I'm not any knowledgeable person on this. I'm not... Uh, you know, uh, paid or whatever. I am just uh, like the rest of us, a drunk. And I'm going to tell you my my piece of the pie, my story. Um, and I'm going to do it in the version that they asked, you know, they suggest you kind of do the 33 and a third, you know, a little bit what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. <clears throat> so, oh, and, and really uh, welcome to all the uh, people that got up and took chips. I didn't have the, uh, how can I say it, testicular fortitude to get up in a, <laughs> and, and get a chip when I came. I was too cool. Um, and uh, I got a funny story about that. I went to my, I'll, I'll get to it, uh, I'll tell you now, but I'll get back to that. But I went to my first meeting through a series of events, and I didn't want to be there, but my girlfriend who had had dumped me two days before after I was away for a few months. I, I, we were boyfriend and girlfriend all the time I was away. 
and I came home and she said, oh no, I go to the A, my brother was sober and he had 12 step to, so I go to the AA meeting now. I said, oh, good for you. And she said, yeah, I'm with somebody there. I said, that kind of shocked me. I said, really? So, um, so then I wasn't going to go. I said, you know, and my brother said, I'm going to go to the meeting. You want to go? And I still hadn't connected any dots in my life about, it was really, really obvious that I needed some sort of help in my life in terms of alcoholism, in terms of a lot of things. And uh, my brother said, you want to go to the meeting? I said, no, nah, no. Nah. He said, well, Gail's going. Oh, okay. So I said, I'll go. And I walked into the meeting and she was with homeboy and he come up and hugged me. <laughs> I was like, what kind of joint is this? They steal your girl and then they want to hug you. And then they, so I sat there mad as a hornet at her and him and I growled, you know, my head, I didn't say nothing. I, you know, I knew him from school. I didn't like him in school either, but, um, so I was jealous and angry. And so that was my first meeting. I wasn't getting up and taking a thing, you know, and you guys, so I, I appreciate your doing that because it's important to as soon as possible to feel part of the deal and by doing that that's how you feel part of the deal you know that's what we do here um there's no all-stars here you know we're all in the same boat we're here for a common goal and you know you got to start somewhere and and it's a good start to get up and let people know and like steve said it took him some time and people loved him into you know and and that's what this happens here you come here and you know, I, I, when I got here, I was, uh, I remember my brother saying, uh, when I was first here, he said, you know, after a while, you, you, we have these steps and you get to go over your character defects. And I said, Jim, I don't have any, <laughs> I don't have any character defects. What are you talking about? I really thought that, I guess. I don't know uh, you know, the goofiness, but, um, anyway, I, uh, I took a drink. I was about 12. I always tell this story. I was, you know, I had, I don't know if I drank before this, but this was the first, like, yeah, the, you know, the, the, the res what you're looking for in a drink and what I look for for the next uh, 14 or 15 years after that first drink. I, um, I was walking to a Catholic dance. It was snowing out. I, li I come from New England. We were walking and the cops were kind of chasing around. I was about 12, 13-ish. And, and we had port wine, I was throwing it in the snow, and then they'd, they'd come by and we'd go back and get it, and, we, you know, and it got tasted better when it got, port wine's brutal, but if it's cold, it's a little bearable. And um, I started to get a little buzz, I got to the dance, and next thing you know, I'm dancing, I'm smooching with a girl, I got all these other tools I didn't bring in the building, you know, before. And I, you know, I don't know where it came from, I really, did, you know, it was that much of a shock. Uh, on the way home, we got in a fight, and I was picking up people and throwing them. I, I never even got in a fight, I don't think, before that. I, I, all of a sudden, there was a new guy. The problem was is that I relied on that, you know, once I got that formula that um, it, it let me stop about, there was a lot of things going on in my life. There was, my family had a lot of problems, so I was, you know, that gave me some freedom. So it was my solution that night, and it, and it was such freeing to have a drink. It was a great, you know, solution for me. But I ran into the little girl on Monday, you know, my little Romeo girl that I, I was Romeo the other night, and I couldn't even say hi now. I was back to me, you know. And she said, hey, how are you? I said, oh, you know. So that, it was the distinct difference right from the beginning for me, from Friday to Monday. Like, I just... One guy left and another guy appeared, you know, so 
I basically cha uh, chased that courage type feeling and that not thinking of what other things for the next, all the time I was here. Um, I was really an uncomfortable kid. Uh, there was a lot going on. Like I said, my mother had a lot of suicide attempts. The poor thing went through so much and I didn't understand it. Uh, there was, you know, we lived in a housing project. There was all kinds of things going on. I looked at people and, and you know, that something about outsides. I looked at people's outsides and I judged, uh, you know, from my insides and I like, I just couldn't, you know, I never knew what was going on. It seemed like when I had a drink, I had it figured out, you know, I, I don't know. And that was early. So uh, that, that got going. I got to be kind of a, a punky kid ended up in uh, what would be equivalent to youth authority here. I ended up over there for a series of stupid crimes. And um, I remember th this is a good indication of me. Uh, they put us in the little, they put us in the cell and I, you know, we we're walking in, who are you looking at trying to be hard and all that. And then <laughs> they locked me in the thing and I started crying like, in the thing I was like, reality hit you know I was I, I, I and uh, but that was the real me I was afraid of everything and um, so that's when it started I started to be a bit of a pain in the butt a thief uh, sort of a petty criminal uh, I was around a lot of that stuff and uh, I started to uh, do more of the try to feel better with through booze and that that it was the 70s so there were barbiturates. I was a big fan of barbiturates and some other things that uh, if you throw them in with the booze, it made a nice whole deal. And um, I get real brave on barbiturates. And you think booze makes you brave. You know, I used to take those. And uh, anyway, I would, I would do that and get in trouble. And I got in trouble a lot. And um, somehow got through high school. I went uh, uh, very lucky got through high school. Uh, I went to... Um, I got right into a job. I was welding on nuclear submarines. I, I went to a school and got trained how to weld. And I went and I worked at, uh, in Quonset Point, Rhode Island at uh, General Dynamics. I was welding on the Trident submarine, whacked out of my mind every day in the place, welding on a nuclear submarine. Me and about, and hundreds of other guys there were in the same condition. That's what I say, oh, I say, but uh, they had strict uh, safety. Um, they double-checked everything. So, you, you know, the x-ray wells, they x-rayed your wells. So, I mean, I, didn't, I don't think I sunk any ships, but I, but I was there, whacked out, and, and eventually got fired and um, started my, my little road towards the end of my thing. I only drank 14 years. I got sober when I was 26, and, um, you know, I had burned out a lot of things. I ended up... Uh, ended up being a guy left me a liquor store that was weird uh he he really did i was working for a, in, in my neighborhood there was a liquor store and the guy who had it was um we didn't know he was kind of a you know a square type guy he was from outskirts of the city and he had been lugging gold out of his job and he put it aside and he bought this liquor store as an investment i don't even know if he told his wife so he would come down and he'd hire us from the neighborhood and i was the last of a series of people that robbed him blind while you know drinking and you know he just he wasn't an attentive guy anyway he got arrested for his gold digging or whatever right and uh and then he never came back uh, you know i was waiting to 
hear from him on a Monday morning to do the bills or whatever and never heard from him again. He left me the store. I drank it dry. Like I literally, I remember drink and I, and I, you know, that, you know, it, it often makes me think of, you know, the Grinch stole Christmas and he stole everything. He even went back and took the mouse's cheese, like everything in the, that's the way I felt. The last thing to go, I sold the register out of the place. There was no more booze there. There was nothing, you know, obviously it went dead. A year later, my brother, uh, excuse me, my good friend's brother uh, invited me to, he was opening a store there. He bought the license and it was a real exciting project. He said, will you be the manager? And, you know, I had been the manager, if you could call me that, at the last joint. But this, I, and I said, oh, yeah, I'm a manager, you know. And, and I did. For about eight or nine months, I worked for this young, uh, he's a great guy, my brother's friend. To this day, I love the guy. And uh, he he uh, he gave me an option if I do well, I could be a partner. It was a real good situation, and and we revamped the store. We were doing great for nine months, and a friend of mine got killed, and I went. I don't know. We did like an Irish funeral. I was drinking Valiums and drinking uh, taking Valiums and drinking Southern Comfort three or four three days, I think. And I showed up on a Wednesday. I was the manager. I was supposed to be there Monday morning to open at nine o'clock. And I showed up Wednesday at noon with white stuff coming out of my mouth. That was my habit. I'd stay up a couple of days. And my friends used to say, when you had the white stuff, we knew you were going to borrow money. We'd run away from you. <laughs> and um, I ran in the store, and I walked in. He goes, where were you? I went, uh, and I, he kind of baffled me with that question because I couldn't really tell him. I was so mummified from the three days of goofiness. And that started it, you know, and I eventually they let me go uh, out of the store. Uh, I decided to bring my uh, pony, my clown show on the road, and I showed up at my brother's doorstep in South Carolina. This is the beginning of the end. Uh, and um, he had two kids, and, he, and his wife was pregnant with a third, and I showed up, right? Now, he lived in the Carolinas. I was from the Northeast. I took an 18-hour bus ride, and I was drinking Yukon Jack and doing all kinds of goofy stuff. And I, again, the stuff was coming. I, you know, I used to get like a zombie with that. And, and uh, I showed up at his house, and he had told his my my little nieces, you know, your uncle's coming, and they were excited. All and I walked in, and I sat in the Lazy Boy, and I think I slept for 12 hours. And they were sticking me with sticks and saying, oh. Dad, does he move? What does he do? Is it, you know, and I, I showed up like, you know, the, the relative from hell showed up and um, and uh, my brother was kind and receiving and, those, you know, he didn't really get mad at me. I mean, I, I so then uh, I woke up, when I woke up, I was shaken violently and it was 4.30 in the morning and I went in the cornfield and that's where I detoxed the next three days. And he'd say to me, where do you go? Right? He was like, so odd to him that I would he'd get up at six and I wouldn't be there and I and I was in the cornfield I was I had been taking all these pills and I sweating and you know all we, a lot of us have gone through that and I said geez you know and and I didn't want to tell him I was embarrassed so I said ah, I take a walk yeah he looked at me you know but anyway the, the physical part went away I wasn't drinking started to be good I was on a farm fishing for trout talking to grandpa he was a he was a tobacco farm a great guy took me you know i was like hey life's good i'm like andy mayberry over here right it was in the south waving at people life got quiet i had i had left where i was because i had 
seriously violent street beefs going on. <laughs> they were going to kill me or I was going to kill them in a drunken thing. Like it was that kind of goofiness, cowboy stuff going on. So when I got down there, the farm was a welcome, you know, new thing. And um, I was there a few months. I had one more really kind of crazy incident. My last might be one of my last drunks. I went out with my brother the day before New Year's Eve on uh, 19, it was 1982. It was going to turn 1983, and he took me out. And we we went out all day, drank all day, and him and I were, you know, we were kids. We were fighting the bars and stuff, and we were out trying to fight people wherever we were. And then on the way home, we decided to fight each other on the side of the road, and we punched each other's lights and fell in a sewage ditch and. And I always say, my brother fights me like I'm a stranger, and I fight him like he's my brother. <laughs> so he wins. How he hits it, he can hit. So we went home. His wife was at the door. She looked at us, you know, and I had the, you know, like this with the sewerage. And, the, uh, and uh, you know, I'm supposed to be chilling out. You know, I'm on a farm in freaking South Carolina. So I... I uh, you know, I, I was sitting there the next night. My brother put his family to bed early looking at the ball coming down as it you know on tv and i just shook my head and i go what i still didn't connect it to the booze or anything i just thought if i could only get a job that I, I know i used to think that was one of my problems um and uh anyway i got back up north i hitched a ride up north a month or two later and that's when that meeting you know that's when my brother thank god had made it okay you know he was like he had been going to meetings I didn't even think he had a problem, my brother. And, you know, here he is at the meetings. You don't know other people's, everything they do, you know. So he had gone, and that's when he 12-stepped my girl, and I went to the meeting, and I was mad at everybody and all that. But what I did hear at the first meeting was the language of the heart. I'll never forget it. A guy said a couple of things, and I could not believe that he said it, you know. I came from a place where we were all lying to each other and all, there was no sort of any kind of honesty and uh, he, this guy was honest. So that got my interest and I started going and I joined the group, it's the Beginning Life group in Cranston, Rhode Island and that was, uh, I used uh, uh, February 12, 1983 as my, uh, my sobriety date and I know it was a rainy Ash Wednesday, I always say that jokingly because when I came, they said, uh, when did you have your last drink? And for some reason, I wasn't even a, I was, grew up Catholic, but I wasn't a practicing uh, Catholic. And I said, uh, and I thought, and I, for some reason, I quit everything for Lent that year. Don't ask me why. I don't, I don't know what that's all about, but, I, but I, I knew I hadn't drank during Lent. And I looked, and I remember on Ash Wednesday, we were somewhere, and I didn't know it was going to be, I was going to use that for my date, but I could be absolutely sure I hadn't done nothing during Lent. It was like uh, February 12th was Lent, and then this was like a week later. Or, you know, I had gone seven, eight days doing the Lent thing, and um, and the guy said that, and I said, oh, uh, Ash Wednesday. And he goes, oh, what's that? okay, your date, you know, so they encouraged me to get a date, they, uh, you know, a sobriety date. They encouraged me to get a sponsor. I, I twisted up that thing. I, I had no idea how to, how do you get a sponsor? You know, like what, what do we talk about? Like, I don't know. And I met this guy and I, the reason he, he's still my friend. The reason why he, I was attracted to him because he took it upon himself to remember everybody's name. He was the greeter, right? 
and he remembered we get like 60 people he knew everybody's name i said how do you do that he goes well i write little notes and i put you know joe with the white shoes and sally with the and he i, I, I oh my don't i said this guy you know this is something like i really appreciated his trying to be nice to people you know and he remembered everybody's name so i asked him to be a sponsor he's real down to earth great guy great example um the fact that he asked me to call him all the time uh came in handy because once i got over the what do i say thing and i check in with him there was a night when i had to call him and i called him two o'clock in the morning i was ready to explode and he and he you know i talked to him and came to some reality and we were able to uh get by that night but you know so i already had the practice of calling them that's why people say call call me you know and keep in touch because then you get in the practice when you really need it you're already doing it that was that's what i learned anyway i i, I got i i really got active with that group they're an active bunch if you're new here get with the people that are gonna giddy up that are doing things hang with them you know get with them and do stuff ask questions do i you know I would go anywhere. I was running around with these people. We were sober, and uh, I got involved in the corrections committee. I, I just got involved whatever I could, and it paid off. I avoided uh, the step work, you know, in the book. Uh, my sponsor wasn't a, not that he didn't do it, but he didn't push me. So I didn't, I thought, well, it looks like a lot of work. I'm not going to bring it up, you know. It's like we're, we're doing good, right? So anyway, he, um, and then I moved uh, um, what's it? Seven is it in? Oh, I don't know what time. I'm sorry. What time did I? Oh, I can end early. My sponsor said it's spiritual when you end early, so I can end early. Um, I uh, so I you know I um, I uh, where was I? Where was I? Oh yeah, I thank you, thank you. I'm still not, by the way. No, I'm only kidding. I, uh, I, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't paying attention to that. But I was, I'd volunteer. I was Joe volunteer. You know, committees, I, and you know that can, I can't say. You know, I wouldn't prescribe that to anybody. There's a whole sort of whole program where you work on your insides with the steps, and you get busy on the outside with the, you know, being active in your on the group level and the service levels and stuff, but I missed that part. Uh, I did one, two, three, one, two, three, one, you know, they're like a dance, right? One, two, three, one, two, three. And then uh, I, uh, I did kind of cafeteria style on the rest. I made a few, what I like to call Eddie Haskell amends. You know, if, if you know the reference, he was kind of a brown nosing friend of the Beaver, the Leave it to Beavers. And I would do, amends that I knew I was going to get an instant. Oh, aren't you nice for doing that? You know, I would pick the easy ones like my aunts and I never asked anybody advice how to do it. That's not the way to do it, man. Get with somebody and ask them questions. Let them work with you and, and, and take them in order and you'll have great results, which I did eventually. I came to California in 1991. I complained for a few months and, um, about you didn't do it right. I was eight years sober. You didn't know how to do this. You didn't know how to do that. And God rest his soul. I think he just passed a guy named Dodger Jeff in in, L, in, in uh, Pasadena. He said to me, well, go back to where you was. We don't need you here. <laughs> and I thought, I said, he's right. right. You know, what do I do? And I'm whining like a, you know what? And, uh, and I started to realize there's a tremendous amount of experience here. If you got sober in California, you're very fortunate. This thousands of meetings, there's thousands of
you know, people with experience and enthusiasm. There's, you know, different pockets of enthusiasm, but there's, it's here if you look. And if you're getting sober, you're real fortunate. It's not like that all over the country. I can tell you that. And uh, so I, I learned that, and I started to get involved, and I, um, I uh, you know, I started to, and then I got a sponsor, and I told him, I said, I need to take direction with the steps. I haven't opened my, I was eight years sober, and I still hadn't really paid attention. I wouldn't prescribe that to anybody. It's not that uh, complicated, you know. <laughs> Ask somebody's advice and do it as soon as you can. It really helps. But anyway, I did it. I did. The, I went through the steps with my sponsor. I got. Ri I, I just got caught up. You know, I had a lot of things I didn't think I needed to say, and a lot of things that I I said that uh, they they I didn't realize that they had such an impact on me. And when I when I went over it with my sponsor, and we we you know during that fourth step, uh, reading him the fifth step, I got I got rid of that stuff. Um, and uh, I, you know, so now I'm sober here, and I'm doing my thing. I'm working, and and I get involved in 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 uh, service here, you know. But um, one thing I forgot to mention that always strikes me is when people are new, like that that time I went to the when I was brand new at the meeting. It reminded me of something. Uh, after a week or two, I, I likened it to me being a bedwetter, right? So when I was younger, I was really a bedwetter. I was like way too old to be wet in the bed. Yep, me too. There's always, there's always a bunch of us at the meeting. And, um, and I was walking to school one day and my best friend, his mother put his, in the project, she put his sheets out on the building to embarrass him out of wet in the bed. I don't know where that concept came from, but you know, he, he and he's got his head down. We're walking to school. The kids are ripping him. Oh, he went to bed, Ricky. You know, he's breaking his chops. And then me and him are walking, and I never told him anything. And I got to school, and I said, Rick, I got to tell you something. You know, I went to bed too. And I, and I'm pretty sure we hugged. And I like to say we formed Bedwetters Anonymous that day. You know that that. But if you think about it, we both knew exactly. You know, like the deal, right? Like we knew the shame, the, and that's kind of what you guys are. When I got here, you knew, you knew me like that. You know, that was amazing. So, and you still do. And 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 for people that are new, uh, we understand you. You know what I mean? And we we got a common goal here. And we, there's nothing you can't say here that's going to shock anybody. Believe me. And 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 it's a freedom place. You know, and you get to learn to you know, to talk about things and to, uh, you know, but anyway, uh, I, I, I got involved, like I said, on the group level, I used to uh, go all the time. I, that's where I met Les at the 185 man to man stag that Steve went before I had this home group. My home group was in Alhambra and I stayed active. Um, when I was, uh, uh, I don't know. I took the steps with my sponsor. I made an amends list and I put some of them aside, some of the more difficult ones, um, when I was growing up, I had, uh, I had found my mother dead in my bed when I was 20 years old and she had died from a stroke. She had a lot of problems. She was drinking and it was, she, the poor thing had a lot of problems they, they call it dual diagnosis now, but she had suffered depression and did the cycle of, you know, treat the depression, drink, treat, you know, the whole, anyway, she didn't die from she had tried suicide, but this wasn't suicide. It was a hot, it was in 1977. It was incredibly hot out. And she, uh, it was the son of Sam. If some of you remember in New York City, there was a guy running around. 
and uh in, in Rhode Island, we had, I think, 10 days in a row where it was 90 degrees and like 90% humidity. It was just really unbearable. And we lived in a third floor tenement and we probably had a fan, you know, and she got a little heavy. She walked upstairs, took a, took a stroke and died on my bed. So I took that from 20 to 26. I went into a, um, I like to call it, it was like a pissy drunk, too young to be a pissy drunk, but yeah, I'd be on the phone crying at two in the morning. All that. I had aunts and uncles like that, but I wasn't supposed to do that at that young. But I, from 20 to 26, when I got sober, I so when I got sober, I, I the women were so kind to me, and I was able to write a letter to my mother because she just kind of disappeared. You know, I wasn't. She was 52. I didn't think she was gonna go, and I had all this regrets and guilt, and so uh, I drank about it till like six years, and then when I got sober. The women here that were my mother's age were so kind to me. And that's another crazy thing here. We're people that normally wouldn't be together, you know? Like, we come from all different little spots and everything. We not, we're, we're so lucky that we get to meet people from everywhere and every little deal and there's no, none of that. You know, it's all about the common gold, about helping each other stay sober. That's so powerful. And anyway, uh, they helped me through that, but my... so. I started to, uh, you know, when I said when I came here, I started to do the process, and my father was on there, who I hated, because he left us, and he, you know, uh, you know, and um, I really had a hate, but I, I didn't identify it, you know, I didn't realize how much I hated, because I didn't think you could hate your father. It's your father, you know, and 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 uh, I really did. I really resented him for leaving us, and. Um, and let me see uh when i was about two years sober in rhode island he somehow showed up he was a uh he was a street drunk you know and he was a truck driver and everything and uh my brother called me he says i think our father's on a park bench up in on the east side and i said get out of here he said yeah so we come to i met him sure enough it was our father he was you know on a park bench and he was disheveled and so we took him we took him all the way to, uh, uh, on the way to detox, he was having a convulsion. We stopped and got him a drink. He calmed down. We got him to the detox. And when we got there, he was going, hurt, more hurt. He lost his teeth, you know? And I, I, <laughs> I remember going, oh, God. So I said, oh. So I went all the way across town back to that park bench, and his teeth were still on the bench. I thought that was, I always like to mention that. It's like God protects, you know, fools and drunks, drunks and fools. Anyway, um, he went to the detox, he got out a couple of days later. So in this time, I was two years sober and I was, I had a, you know, if I had a microphone, I'd get on a roof and shout the, the values of AA. I was so on fire with it. I still kind of am, but though I you know, hey, you're sober. And, and I said, oh, my dad's gonna be sober. This is, this is a miracle, right? He's, he's gonna come out, I'll take him to the meetings, I'll have a father. And I picked him up at the detox, and he got in the car, and he looked at me. He said, "I need a drink." He said, and I and I and I thought to myself, "Boy, he spoiled all my plans." You know, I had all these. It's his life, but I didn't understand that, and I had all these plans. And I got so angry when he said that. He told me to take him to the bank to get money and to get booze, and it was about a 30, 40 minute thing before I dropped him at some motel in Seacock, Massachusetts. And I yelled at him. You maybe you're my mother, you didn't and I screamed at him. And now that I think about it, you know, it's not even funny, but 
all he wanted was a drink. He's kind of like saying to himself, geez, I wish his ride would end so I could drink, you know. But um, he, I, I, I really was ugly with him. And that's the last time I saw him for 16 years. And through the step process, um, I started to look for him that much time later. I was out here and I located him in New Haven, uh, Connecticut. And I, I planned a trip to go there to make amends to him. And uh, I did, you know, uh, that's not me, you know. I don't do that. I'm Irish, and I hold, I, you know, I hold on to a grudge with both hands, you know. And uh, uh, I went there, and I looked him in the eye, and I told him I understood, you know. And I said, I'm a drunk too, Dad, and and I understood, you know. And I said, I just want to be friends, you know. Let's be friends. I know, you know. And he was pretty old at the time, still drinking, smoking a cigarette. And, you know, I don't even know if he heard me, but I I heard me. And I meant it, and he heard me, but, you know, it, it's not important, really, that the person hears you. It's important that you make the amend, in my opinion. And, and I did, and I had a great relationship. I'd send him pictures of his grandchildren and everything, and that is so powerful, you know. that I didn't think you'd get things like that when I initially stopped, you know, stayed, stopped drinking, and stopped ingesting pills and booze. That was what it was about. If I just stopped doing that I should be fine right you know like I ain't doing it anymore then I ain't gonna have any you know episodes and everything but um, we learned and it's a learned uh, gathered uh, experience here that you have to treat the person that's left and you have to deal with what made you want to or have to drink that much and everything and that's been the process you know so I've had a, an amazing like I, I, I always get I always get impressed with what you get here when initially it was, you know, like if you, if, 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 you know, if you ask me where I'd be in 40 years later, uh, 40 years ago, it was not here or wherever I've been. I've been, I kind of traveled a lot. I've gone to AA in Bangkok and, you know, I've been to the four, uh, five different international conventions, uh, just living life, you know, opportunities come up and I, I just, you know, I, um, uh, the sobriety thing is just, uh, I don't know, it's just, uh, um, if you're new and you, and you got a chance for this, hold on with both hands and, and realize that uh, everybody's done what you've done and that if you stay here, it could change literally your whole life for a long time. It's just amazing. Uh, people will love you, you know, it's, we use the term loosely, but it happens. You get loved by people and you, you form bonds, like I said, with people you normally would have never met if you stayed on your other journey, you know, and um, so um, I got to wind down now because I'm, I'm starting to double clutch. I was a truck driver. When you double clutch and you got to pull over. But um, I, um, you know, I, I, I can't be grateful enough. Uh, I, I did do this. Like I said, I did the steps. I haven't mentioned the higher power. I have a comfortable relationship with my higher power. Um, I had a twisted version of that when I got here. Uh, from the Catholic thing, I just had this whole perception that, that didn't serve me well. And uh, the, the good news was they said you can go back to the drawing board here and, and, and get in touch with a higher power, you know, power greater than yourself. And it doesn't have to be, a, you know, any one that, especially one, there's a joke that says only an alcoholic would get a higher power that he doesn't like. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's true. I mean, some, I've heard that. But uh, I, I'm, I have a comfortable relationship with my higher power. And uh, 
I, uh, I work at a communication. My big theory is, is it's the leap of faith that helps me the most. If I'm in a place where I'm asking for help from my higher power, then I'm not on one of my power drives that I like to get on, you know. I'm actually seeking help, which is a tad of humility, you know. It's a little humble. Um, um, I, I think the leap of faith to your higher power has a lot to do with why that situation works and also your belief, you know. So I, I have a comfortable relationship and I solve things based on that, you know. I don't ask, no, it's mine, you know, I don't have to... You know, I'm not going to push it on anybody or whatever, and that's. It. But I, I, I have to say, the concept is amazing. You can, you call them God, call them whoever you want. Call, you know, it could be the part of your religion because they, you know, they encourage you to get back to your religion if you're sober and 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 get the, um, you know, the the effects from it and and enjoy it. Um, but uh, so that's worked well for me. Um, I don't always have. <laughs> I don't have, I don't always have the spiritual, I don't always know what the spiritual answer is for things, but I always know what the spiritual answer isn't, you know what I mean? That's the difference when I'm asking for help, and I, and I sometimes just get amazing results when I seek help, you know? Um, I'm basically a guy that uh, tries to run everything, and Leave me alone for a couple of days, and I'll have a couple of good 007 missions planned. My mind will be crazy. I'll be. That's just me. And I've been, you know, as I told you, I've been coming here for a long time. I haven't had to drink. So uh, the thing, the important thing is, is to be around people and to let them, you know, the the fellowship and to let the and to communicate with them and to have your hand out. And and that's what I've been taught. And fortunately, I've been doing it. And. Um, I can't tell you, uh, you know, the, the, uh, it's hard to put into words, um, what's happened, you know, and, and, uh, but I, she's, I'd be way off. I'd be shortchanged myself if you asked me what I was going to get as a result of, you know, Ash Wednesday, uh, 40 years ago. So, um, this is, uh, this is, you know, this is an incredible gathering. I really love the, this thing, and I got to thank Les again. If you're in Glendale on a Tuesday, come to the Day to Time group on North Brand and uh, enjoy the meeting. And, uh, and uh, I just said one quick funny story about that. I was kind of touting my meeting on a Sunday one time. I gave a talk, and, and uh, so we're friendly, and it's all good. And then, so some people, so Tuesday came, and four or five people from that meeting, came. I said, hey, you came. They said, yeah, well, you know, you made it sound so good we want and in the middle it's the only time it ever happened in the middle of the meeting a gal stood up and smacked a guy right across <laughs> so the, on the way out they say yeah a real friendly meeting this is great they said so so we're not well people all the time but we get here and and we we, we mix with other not well people and we stay well so thank you <laughs>